Boy, if something wasn't more misnamed for where we live now as ordinary time. Yeah, well, you know. Now the church needs to really rethink that. I don't know what else. <laughs> <laughs> Philip K. Dick time, Yeah, maybe. Philip K. Dick time. <laughs> no, on so many levels, no. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just thinking about what color the banners would be. Pink. Black. Black and pink. <laughs> Blush color. God. God help us. God have mercy on our souls. Oh. This is why we keep coming back, Dan. <laughs> if Paul's wrong and grace isn't the thing, I'm out. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. yeah. That's my theory. Church in uh, Space, brought to you by grace. Right, brought to you by grace, because we're all going to in space. Welcome, everybody. This is Church in Space. In 3D! Man, we're getting so good at that. It's got to be the arm motions. It is. Yes, it's the arm motions definitely, like, You can't see these folks at home, but there's, like, calisthenics to go with this. (laughs) Yeah, we did stretching before this. Yeah. It's a very vigorous 3D. Yes, we we had to do 10-minute stretches in order to prepare our, our minds for all of this. A little zen session. Focus. Focus. I am one with the force. <laughs> and the forces with me. You know, that was uh, such a good part of that. Yes. He was like the best part of that movie. <laughs> we can spend how many episodes just talking about how Rogue One is just the best Star Wars movie. Yeah. You yeah. know what I love is how rapidly we have ADD and go off topic. We yeah. didn't even mention no. the topic. We, go we already the sprung out. Right. But <laughs> that is our love for Rogue One. Uh, so this week's episode, End of the World and All Things Disaster. This comes from these stories from later in the Gospels about Jesus talking about the end of the world. We call them apocalyptic readings. And and so I think that's a good tie-in to all things disaster movie, whether it's science fiction or fantasy or just fun disaster movies. Why, why? Fun, fun disaster, disaster movies. Yeah, there are fun disaster movies. <laughs> <laughs> don't dispute me on this. They're fun. They're really good, but you they're fun. You have a list, don't you? <laughs> I do. <laughs> You know, fun. They're really good, but they're fun. You will all die. But you'll enjoy it. But you'll enjoy it. (laughs) Well, so there's a line, right, between like a disaster movie that is too serious Uh is like, it's almost boring because it's just like burdened with glorious purpose, you know, like, (laughs) and you just want to be like, just give me fun. Armageddon, right? The Bruce Willis movie, right? Yeah. It's not a great movie. Future generations will not remember that as the ideal American cinema. Right. But it's fun. Yeah. I like your phrasing, fun Armageddon. Yeah. You know, it's, it almost sounds like a theme park. Yeah. <laughs> Look at, at what uh, what Dwayne The Rock Johnson's doing. All his disaster movies are pretty much fun. They're not right, actual, they're like... They're awful movies, yeah. but they're fun, yeah. you know. But they can't be too... I mean, he did Rampage, for God's sake. <laughs> 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 like he made, you can't take these disaster movies too seriously. <laughs> but it does bring up my first question. So why are we obsessed with disaster movies? Because each kind of film generation has to have their own version of of disaster movies i think it's the obsession with death okay because everyone's always worried about something dying Mm -hmm. isn't it cathartic that like everything is dead yeah and then there are certain threats but there's no big threat out there like Mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about an asteroid hitting us it already did Mm -hmm. like that weight has been lifted okay i think that's part of the reason so it's an advanced catharsis. Yes. Hmm. Advanced catharsis. Interesting. You know, what I find interesting about asteroid movies is for a while they were like pumping out asteroid movies mm-hmm. like nobody's business. Yeah. You know, Deep Impact, Armageddon, 
Like these kind of. There's the new one with oh, who's in it? Isn't it Jennifer Lawrence and um? Yeah, Leonardo don't DiCaprio. look up. Right, and and but that's what I find strange. We had them for a while, and then 2000, September 11, 2001 happened, and something actually hit us. You know, it was actually mm-hmm. a, it was a plane, but yeah. something actually hit us. And then we stopped making movies about giant rocks hitting us until mm. I think actually yeah. Don't Look Up is one of the first ones I've seen in a while, you know. Yeah. Maybe not literally the first, but it's been a while yeah. since we've had a main. It's not 2012, but I would assume that there was an. Something along the yeah, lines. Yeah, I'm not sure that. what the plot line to 2012 was because it was incoherent, like the actual like theory, and that says a lot because I tend to remember movies almost shot by shot. Yeah, and I I know I went to 2012. Uh-huh. I really don't remember it at all. <laughs> it was so, it was so bad. I have like no memory of it outside of wasting six bucks to get in the theater. Right, six bucks. It was a while ago. Was it in 2012? Or was it before 2012? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a look back. I know no, that. It wasn't a look back. It was not a look back. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even see that one. It was just it was, it was just like, no, I refuse. Dan, why do you think we're, we are obsessed with the end of the world? There's part of me that thinks Drew's onto it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this like, let's, let's get over it in advance. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> it's also the classic role of sci-fi is mm-hmm. to be a cautionary tale, basically saying, look, this can happen at any time. Let's get ready now, not wait. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think much of it goes back to Joseph Campbell's theory is about the archetypal man versus nature. And in this particular case, our struggle against overwhelming odds and the fact that even if the majority of the population is wiped out, such as in the Omega Man, there is still a human being who survives. It's not you. It will be if he talks in that <laughs> voice the whole time. <laughs> that voice would be the key to it. <laughs> and so, Drew, let me explore why you think that is not me. Yeah. Well, if you talk like Shatner, lots of things can happen in between. Now, that's an interesting combination, right? <laughs> the erudite British intellectual with William Shatner. This podcast will take eight hours if we... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how much... Cinema, though, is British people versus mm. Americans, and how much disaster movies are because Americans are in charge versus like the British or any other government. That brings up a good point, right? Yeah. We could do a whole episode on this. Mm. Why in American movies are the evil people always British? They always have British accents. Or yeah. German. Well, German makes sense. Yeah. German makes sense. Echoes of World War II coming out mm. at us. But Britain, I mean, they've been our allies for. 1816, once we finally decided to call it quits in the War of 1812. Yeah, because everyone remembers the revolution. No one really remembers what came after that. (laughs) The world started on July 4th, 1776. There was nothing before. (laughs) Everything happened after. July 4th, 1776 is the birth of the world. In the beginning, God created George Washington. (laughs) And immediately there was a Declaration of Independence. Nothing before. Lots of stuff after, but... That that happened. And the founder said it was good. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, I, I do think there is that kind of like Joseph Campbell, like playing into archetypes. Yeah. Forrest Gump, you know, Lieutenant Dan raging at the storm at the top of the mast. Right. I think it's the same kind of thing. It's like, go ahead, nature, throw your best at us because we're, humanity can survive anything. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned Omega Man. So there's been various incarnations of that story going all the way back to... Uh, what's the actual book? Oh, Richard Matheson. Uh, the Will Smith was the actual title of the movie. I'm going to look it up. Pause for Wikipedia. Library computer working. 
I am legend. I am legend. Oh. Even though it's technically based off I Am Legend, both I Am Legend, the Will Smith incarnation, and Omega Man are terribly different from like Richard Matheson's actual like original point. <laughs> I think the very first movie, uh-huh. I think what they've made four or five movies yeah. out of it, but I think the very, very first one, mm-hmm. which is odd for the 50s, stuck the closest to it. Yeah. Cause like his whole point is like, Spoiler alert. <laughs> not read the book. Like, in the book... It's a disaster! It's a disaster, and that last man who survives it transitions into legend, like all the legendary creatures. What the movies always end up being is exactly that man against all odds. You know, yeah. the last man succeeds in conquering, you know, and it's like, that's really not the point of the book. <laughs> and the 50s movie is very tragic at the end. Uh-huh. You know, it's yeah. it's like, oh... We don't have any hope. Okay. Yes. Maybe there is something to it, right? That we're obsessed with it so that we can see people overcome. That's an actually good point, hope. The point of disaster movies being hope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a really good way to put it, right? Yeah. The point of disaster movies is hope. Interesting. Right, because we don't want to watch the town actually just get leveled. Well, know? I mean, we do. <laughs> we do. But, but we also want them to overcome everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. No, it's true. And it, it does bring up the other factors. Like if if you watch Doctor Who for any length of time, you realize that every major disaster will start in Britain. Yeah. There's some stuff in America, but like, yes, every single thing is either localized to what, London or Cardiff. Yeah. There's some other like historical stuff that their disasters are, but that's it. London and Cardiff. Nothing else. <laughs> You wonder about that. Yeah. You know, what is it about those locations that the end of the world will start in either London or Cardiff? I think we need to ponder that. Maybe we remove London and Cardiff both as preemptive measures. So we're going to nuke England to prevent the end of the world. It might have to happen. <laughs> if we just wall it off. Look See, that's when you were to use your accent. <laughs> in order to save the world. It was then the original idea for the elimination of England arose. <laughs> Just England? Like, are we cutting it off at Scotland, you know? Yes, no, just England. Just England. Just England. It's got to be confined to it. Unfortunately, Cardiff is in Wales. However, there must be some collateral damage. But yes, Hadrian's Wall will be the delineation point for survival and not. Scots finally get what they've been looking for. (laughs) Yes. Robert the Bruce is happy! That's how they get their independence. That's it. We figured it out. Yes. The reason all the major world-ending disasters in Doctor Who, beginning Cardiff and London, is because the Scots put little alien invasion homing beacons there. There we go. Scottish writers. (laughs) Scottish (laughs) writers. And how many Scottish actors have played the Doctor when you think Mm -hmm. about it? I mean, David Tennant should just use his normal voice. Mm -hmm. Mm. Like, it's so disappointing (laughs) 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 to hear his real voice and then to hear him as... Doctor Who, and it's just like, no, I don't want that. <laughs> I mean, how many times in regenerations he's like, thank God I'm not a Scot. Like, <laughs> I think it's every regeneration. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I never realized it, but yeah, he does often comment on that. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. We're on to something. We're here. on to something. Yes. Here. I think the idea about hope, though, is a good point. And I think it's an interesting point because it's always the hope that, like, we can overcome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is where I think it's different from, like, our readings. Our readings keep focusing on this, like, 
end of the world thing, you know, because it's actually hopeful in the end, you know, mm-hmm. but it's not we overcome, it's Jesus overcomes. But there is an interesting like works righteousness thing going on there in, in disaster well, movies. Well, that yeah. is, you've nailed the big difference. Mm-hmm. And this may be one of the big reasons why religion has fallen off mm-hmm. in the world in general, but in the U.S. in particular, and why we have some rather interesting, when you look at it theologically, Mm-hmm. branches of Christianity that arose in the U.S. Yeah. And I think you nailed it, right? Pure Christianity, probably pure Abrahamic religion in general, mm-hmm. any of them, really relies on you admitting that you have no control. Yeah. And even your ultimate salvation isn't even under your control. Right. It's the world will be saved and you will have nothing to do with it. Right. It's all God. It's all Jesus. It's all out of your control. Right. Thy will be done. <laughs> that goes against yeah. Yeah. the fundamentals of what it means to be American. America oh, yeah. is based on individualism, mm-hmm. rugged individualism at that, yeah. and a very I-can-do-it attitude. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, there's been a lot of problems. I mean, it's one of the reasons our suicide rate is so high. Right. Because, you know, we think I can do it. And when you can't do it by yourself, it's weakness in America to reach out and ask for help. Right. I think that's part of it. I think that's why these disaster movies are so big in American cinema mm-hmm. because it's humanity in general, but American humans in particular yeah. mm-hmm. who save the planet from disaster. Right. In those movies, mm-hmm. the hope is in humans when you go to church on sunday the hope is in god will do it right only american actor i can think of that saved the universe is mark hamill was star wars you mean <laughs> yes like i I'm like i'm thinking about it like as an actor like what american actors actually saved the universe mark hamill's the only one i can actually think of but even he was helped by a Brit. Like okay, that. hold on. <laughs> but from the American's perspective, though, uh, or as from the Rebel Alliance perspective, yeah. that he did save the universe. I mean, it <laughs> will go into the podcast where we talk about how the Empire was actually good because, yeah. you know, it was. Yeah. Um, Everybody tries to read symbolism into the color of a lightsaber. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you know why Mace Windu's lightsaber was purple? Because he chose it. Why did he choose it? It was different from everyone else. I can't remember the whole I remember story. He, he just wanted it to be cool. Samuel L. Jackson knew he was going to, Mace Windu would die in a yeah. huge fight scene with yeah. hundreds, if th- thousands of people battling. Right. And he thought, I want a way to be able to see where I am in that shot. And right. so he told Lucas, I want a purple lightsaber so yeah. I, could, I can tell that's me fighting over there. Yeah. Yeah. Lucas fought him over it. He said, no, no, no. You know, the Sith have one color and the, the Jedi have another color and that's it. Yeah, and he shows up on set, mm-hmm. and he has a purple lightsaber. Yeah, Lucas finally gave in. Yeah, Jackson said it was great when he actually watched the premiere. Mm-hmm. You know, the huge fight scene mm-hmm. comes into into play, and he's like, "Oh, that's me over there." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do have a purple lightsaber for that kind of purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I just mm-hmm. like the theory that like. Samuel L. Jackson is such a force of personality that he bends the coherent rules of the universes around <laughs> He can him. bend canon, yeah, and yes. yet it still works. It still yes. works. <laughs> he's, just, he's almost like this, like a <clears throat> neutron star. Of like, <laughs> it's so dense that it like bends canon around it. We need to devote, at some point, an entire episode of the podcast to Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson. We, we have to. I mean, yes. even disaster movies, right. you yeah. know, all of it. He's... Yeah. Samuel L. Jackson is a force unto himself, and we need to discuss that. There are theological implications. Yes, there are. (laughs) Ezekiel comes to mind.
I think he said something like, I recall reading somewhere that he said that the only way he'd be in the Star Wars movies is if he didn't die like a punk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but then he did. Not like a punk. Oh, he died. Come on. You know. You know, the, well, there was a punk involved, but yeah. it was just so dissatisfying. And I think I heard there was a rumor that he actually wasn't dead and they're actually bringing his character back for Obi-Wan Kenobi, which I really hope is true. Only if Samuel L. Jackson can continue to play him. No. Voice him, yes. But what they did with Captain Marvel and Samuel L. Jackson was just... No. Oh, you didn't like the de-aging? Yeah. Yeah. It There's didn't... a whole thing about de-aging in our culture of... Yeah. Although, if he, if he, if he, if he <laughs> suddenly I can't speak. Yeah. And it was then he could not speak. Oh. Um, I think with Obi-Wan, it takes place later, so they wouldn't have to de-age him. Yeah, it doesn't Obi-Wan take place? Uh, it would have to be, ooh. Take place later. Yeah. Fell out of a window, so like you'd assume you could just say, hey man, I look older because I fell yeah. 150 stories. It's only got to be 10 years later, right? Yeah, that is the weird thing about, I don't know what Obi-Wan was doing in between Clone Wars and Alec Guinness popping up, but like, there's not that long a time no, between no, Ian no. McGregor yeah, yeah. and Alec Guinness. And, and even, like, even in Rebels, when yeah. Obi-Wan shows up and Darth Maul's in there, he's like, it's like only a couple years before, yeah. you know, Alec Guinness, yeah. Obi-Wan right. shows up. Like, right. There have been some explanations. You, got, you know, fan explanations. Yeah. Nothing in canon yet. Yeah. But, you know, same thing with the Emperor. Yeah. You know, why, why does he look so ragged when he's in his Sith mode versus when he's a, the yeah. Chancellor? Yeah. And, you know, they say, well, it's because of the Sith Force and blah, 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 you know. And I don't remember what they said with Obi-Wan, but they, it was something similar to why the Emperor ages, looks so much mm-hmm. older as the Emperor. And right. that there's some way that it's... That excess use of the force is consuming yeah, his body. Be, there'll probably be some big giant fight scene where his force just gets drained so much that yeah. you see the the, the white. Right. Or in that yeah. in the, the Rebels TV show, that like outside of time place. Mm-hmm. That, like, oh, that y- thing. Yeah, that thing. Yes, because let's bring time travel into the Star Wars right. universe and yeah. Star Wars Rebels. Right. So this is my one great criticism of star trek like that they've infected with like a disease like every other sci-fi franchise <laughs> the time travel trope. The time travel trope and it's like i don't like it in star trek <laughs> much yeah. less like time heists yeah really right it's like i just keep it confined yeah you know to me it from a writing standpoint it's a it's a writer's cop-out oh right. it totally is every time a star trek like a TNG time episode, like my philosophical brain just goes insane. Yeah. It's like none of this makes... No. <laughs> the only time it no. worked, really, was from a literary con- standpoint, was City on the Edge of Forever. Yeah, I would say First Contact also. And you're right. First Contact was a well-considered use of it. Yeah. And integral to all aspects of the plot. Right. But same with City on the Edge of Forever. And that's yes. what I liked about Harlan Ellison Which was, was really one? the first one... That's the uh, it's the episode in Trek where they find the the Guardian of Forever. The Guardian of Forever, that big circular stone thing. Oh. McCoy goes back to the nineteen thirties. Oh, we're talking, oh sorry. I was series. Got show, it. Yeah. sorry, I was yeah. thinking next gen. I'm like no. no, no, no. Original series. Ellison finally, finally thought through, okay. Yeah, right. basically the butterfly effect. Yeah. If I if McCoy goes back uh-huh. and he, he just screws up one thing right. just by being McCoy. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, saving a life. Yeah. Right. How does saving that life disrupt the future? Right. And it gets into that deep philosophical right. aspect of as a doctor, he can do no harm. He must save this life. Mm-hmm. But saving that life 
ends up costing literally millions of lives mm-hmm. in World War II because right. Ruby keeps us out. The Nazis take over all of Europe. All these people are exterminated, blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. All because Dr. McCoy went back in time and saved one life. Did the one thing. I yeah. love that. Yeah, that was that was good. Yes. So outside of that, outside and then the first, first contact. contact. Yeah, it is. It's, the Trek writers have used it as a cop out. Right. I still like the uh, Futurama with Fry being his own grandfather. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> like like that's the only good time travel yeah. episode yeah. I can really think of. In print, there's several. Um, in fact, the reason the butterfly effect's called the butterfly effect is because of a short story about time travel. Yeah. It's David Gerald who wrote The Trouble with Tribbles, mm-hmm. another old show episode. I've heard of that one. Good. <laughs> he wrote a sci-fi novel that mm-hmm. was about basically this guy comes to his char- his main character mm-hmm. and gives him this belt that allows him to travel through time. Yeah. And through all the convolutions and all the machinations of the time travel happening, mm-hmm. it turns out that this guy is both his own father and his own mother. <laughs> Who gave birth to him as their son, but all because of the permutations of time travel that he created going back and forth in time. And I thought that was – it was hard to follow, but it made sense. Mm -hmm. That was the ultimate time travel conundrum. Sure. (laughs) That's just like the Big Bang. Also, was it Deep Space Nine that showed up in uh, The Trouble with Tribbles? Yes. 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 Yeah classic episode and they did such an amazing job of matching yeah you know lighting colorization uniforms Mm -hmm. it was beautiful yeah that was art hey why don't we talk about disaster why don't we talk about (laughs) yes well i mean i think we finished up with like the hope part i feel like that kind of concluded everything right so let's get on to our game then (laughs) okay Uh, so, which disaster movie do you think you could survive? I have three. Okay. The first is The Bachelor because it needs to actually <laughs> get into the normal podcast. <laughs> I thought of it way too quickly. <laughs> the Bachelor is a kind of disaster on many levels. <laughs> oh, let us count the ways. Yeah. Except that it's canon now. Number two. <laughs> Number two, draft day. Oh. Draft day where the Cleveland Browns win something. <laughs> Your third one better be a real disaster. <laughs> I think in Drew's mind, the first two were. Yeah, yeah, but yeah no. go ahead. I mean, they are disasters, but uh, Zombieland. Zombieland, okay. I can see that. Specifically Columbus. Uh-huh. Having all of the rules, following all the rules. Yeah. I f- and also Bill Murray shows up. I feel like Zombieland, I think it could work. Yeah. Also, because I ride a bike, I wouldn't really need yeah. much. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Zombieland, I like that. Mm-hmm. All right, what about you? So mine's going to be World War Z. Okay. Because mm-hmm. here's my thing with, and not the movie, but like the book, more like the book. But, uh-huh. but here's my thing. Like zombie movies, everybody needs a history major in a zombie movie. Because all you got to do <laughs> is build a castle. <laughs> like a castle is literally a, a building designed to keep people out. And uh-huh. zombies aren't intelligent enough to build siege equipment. <laughs> so, like, oh my gosh. You know, like, you're, you're not having zombies building trebuchets out there, oh my right? Gosh. Like, you know, uh-huh. they're not building a battery ram. So, like, literally, this is what this building was for, right? You yeah. Know, somebody build a Mott and Bailey or a Palisade or something like that. Like, I never got why in The Walking Dead 
build a wall, build a moat, have yeah. a drawbridge. Mm. Ta-da! <laughs> like, all those hordes are solved. What ends up being their biggest safe haven yeah. is that old prison. Is that old prison. Exactly. Like, we have buildings designed to keep people out or in. Like, take one over. Build yeah. one, you know? Like, put up some logs. And then humans were building fortresses on hill on the top of hills with walls around them since before we had the wheel <laughs> you know yeah, yeah like this shouldn't be that hard to figure out i never understand why nobody does it because they don't have the architecture major and the history major. i know right if you but, just or engineering right you need you an just, engineer and a history major and it's like yep we're done you know um, well, yeah. and the yeah. third person because the first two can't lift anything so right. you need someone yeah. to actually you do, do need it. to like the man's hard labor but that's always available you know yeah. <laughs> like, you that's how rick. you teach the zombies how to make the castle right. you got right? rick and shane there you know like they can lift and i'll design and we're, yeah. we're good, you know we're good yeah i want to leave the zombie milieu then uh-huh. um yeah. But, you know, the movie that started it all, Night of the Living Dead, would be an easy one to survive because in that one, it's not the virus. It, right. it was this cosmic event yeah. that reanimates the people who are already dead. Right. That it's not a virus that keeps yeah, yeah, spreading. Yeah. So that would be an easy one. Right. Okay, to change change the milieu then, let's mm-hmm. go with <sighs> Failsafe, Dr. Strangelove, uh, okay. all the nuclear Armageddon ones. Okay. Um, yeah. possibly spilling over into Terminator, you know, machines take over the world, Colossus, okay. that kind of thing. So how do you survive? Well, pretty much because we're discovering that life can regrow. Radioactivity levels diminish a little faster in the real world than we thought. Okay. So you wouldn't have to stay underground that long. Dan Revelation time. Mm-hmm. Since I was... I think I was 10 I actually thought you were talking about like the book of Revelation yeah. where like you had like a Dan copy of like, yeah. <laughs> so that's why he's the recovering right, yeah, right. mine's on golden tablets too yeah, so there we go. no but <laughs> it's it's since I think I was 10 somewhere between 10 and 12 mm-hmm. I started designing 100 plus year underground bunkers <laughs> and so I've been thinking a lot about how to survive a nuclear war in the uh-huh. back of my head for over 50 years now. Uh-huh. I've got it pretty well down. Okay. You know, I, can, I know how to, to grow foods and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Basically, as it's looming, if you can just get me a small amount of refined uranium or plutonium to power my thermonuclear generator, we are absolutely good to go. I have some bananas. <laughs> if I get my Mr. Fusion, that'll be enough. Yeah. That would be good. No, but seriously, I think I think that <laughs> is it. Like in- Mad Max 3, where it's the, the methane from the pig farts. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's the thing. There are ways now. Yeah. My 10-year-old mind, a thermonuclear reactor was pretty much the only solution. Right. But ever since then, yeah, I've come up with other ways of generating energy right. to have this bunker until yeah. the radioactivity subsides enough that you can emerge. So, I like it. Yeah. I like it. All right. Well, folks, we're going to call it there, I think. We talked about the end of the world. It's the end of the world as we know it. And, and we feel fine. And we feel fine. <laughs> That's all I got, folks. <laughs> this has been Church in Space. In 3D! Hey, Dan. Yeah? Did you remember the crossbow this week? I have a really nice uh, adaptation you'll be interested in. An adaptation of a crossbow? Uh-huh. Is it called a diagonal bow? It shoots straight across and to the side at the same time. <laughs> yeah, not a cross. It's, diagonal. <laughs> it's perfect, perfect when you're in like a mass of zombies are around you, you know? See, yeah, that's why. Instead of across, diagonal.